Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Yellowstone, Season 2, Episodes 9 and 10, Enemies by Monday and Sins of the Father are over, but we're just getting started over here post-show recaps. Welcome back, my friends. It is I, Rich Filiberto, DM Philly out here on the internet, back with you again for yet another week talking about Yellowstone. I, of course, am not alone. I'm joined by a woman who often lets me use her first name, uh, the one and only Grace Leader. Grace, how are you? I'm doing well. I thought this was a great ending to the season. I thought season two was pretty strong. I think this is a much better season finale than season one finale. So I'm excited to chat with you about it. Yeah, me too. I'm very psyched to chat with you about it. I think that season two really comes together in a great way. We've been talking about it all through the season, but it feels like they find themselves. They really are able to execute on their ideas well. It synergizes better. And I do think it's an incredible finale. Uh, your dad, Taylor Sheridan, channeling his Sicario writing chops, I feel like. Oh. Like that last hour is a bit like an action movie, Grace. It pops off. Yeah, I mean, I think that the thing that it actually reminds me of is like the season, the se- the series uh, premiere. Yes. Which is this hour and a half long spectacle. And I feel like to a degree we, and, and, and there's a lot of that in here at the beginning, um, obviously mostly revolving around Casey killing many people. Yes. Um, but <laughs> we sure. kind of, we kind of diverge from it to a degree as like the tensions. I don't know that they settle, but they're certainly not as like, um, as, as much in danger as the the season the the series premiere happens to be and i feel like this is this is fitting and kind of like what i thought would be at the end of season one where it sort of like come back to that and and, and make like a moment out of the finale um we did get that in season one but i definitely feel like we got it in season two yeah yeah i feel like the threats um much like uh much like john dutton's shotgun they they diffuse right they just kind of like spread out it's a much less concentrated pressure as we get into it and Um, and you're not gonna get i know dan jenkins is dead you're not gonna fool me this oh yeah I know. Are you sure? (laughs) He's coming back. I know it. Season three, he'll be like, oh, you almost got me. You shot me right in the head. He's taking the long nap in his body bag by the end. Um, so we're wrapping up our season two coverage for Yellowstone. We might as well stop down right here off the top to say that CBS currently does not have plans for season three. We do not have word they yet. Might. They just have not announced anything. They might. We just don't have word yet on if or when they will be airing those episodes. So we're going to stop down and take a little break. We're trying to run pace with CBS. If it seems like they're not going to be coming back with it, you probably will be hearing from us again uh, sometime likely in the new year. But as soon as CBS puts word out, if they're coming back with season three, we will be right there on its heels. I just want to give you that heads up. If you're just finding us now somehow, uh, you could go back and get all of our season one and two coverage postshowrecaps.com slash yellowstone is the rss feed you can subscribe you'll get all of the stuff that grace and i are doing talking about montana out there in the yellowstone ranch of course all these vods are up live on youtube uh youtube postshow recaps go search us you will find us uh that's the bookkeeping grace two episodes i mean we talked about it a little bit but you're coming away feeling pretty good about the conclusion of season two yeah i i have i have a nitpick here or there, but overall I thought it worked. I thought it was, it was, was pretty good. Um, I thought that there's a very clear threat to John and sort of, he has to like rally the troops. I thought that there is some really good emotional uh, character work here, particularly sure. as it comes to uh, Beth and Rip and John. Um, and so overall it does feel pretty sad, pretty satisfying. Well, also not like, clearly, not wrapping up all all ends of the show, knowing that the show has more runway uh, to it. So I thought uh, overall, yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty satisfied with this, like the pair of last episodes and how it wraps up season two. 
Yeah, I walk away with um, two conflicting feelings. I really think episode 10 is strong. I think it ends really, really well. I feel like we spend a long time going like pretty far off the beaten path in episode 9. And part of it, I think um, I have a really charitable interpretation of. But part of it, I'm really cynical and jaded about. Like, I think these are two very unequal episodes of Yellowstone. And part of me comes away feeling a little bit like, might they have been better served by nine episodes? season two rather than season one yeah um which is a rarity i mean if anybody's been hearing me talking about tv especially in 2023 i am lamenting a lot the loss of episodes in the series structure i think that you hit a lot of these eight episode shows and it hurts because we don't have the time for character development that we did once upon a time on the small screen um so i'm I'm of two minds and i'm sure that we will dig into it all i got a couple of short long recaps i tried to keep them pretty truncated this week Grace, uh, I'll dig into those and then we can talk through it all. Let's do it. Let us do it. Uh, episode nine enemies by monday we pick up episode nine as casey and dan's bodyguard set a bomb in the fuel tank of the beck brothers plane the cops end up confirming that jimmy's granddad seems to have died of injuries and they come to the ranch to let him know he's furious and wants to go get his revenge right now rip and casey have a conversation about it and rip says that they need to resolve this tonight because jimmy is not inclined to wait uh meanwhile christina calls jamie to meet she's understandably very upset about what happened to Sarah and gives him an ultimatum while she reveals that she is pregnant with his child. Uh, Monica is browsing a boutique in town when the owner accuses her of theft. The situation escalates very quickly and the police end up there strip searching and humiliating her. But Beth arrives to turn the tables and give the store owner a taste of her own medicine. Um, the pair end up bonding afterwards, discussing the family. Uh, Dan comes to the Yellowstone Ranch and he and John have a conversation about what happens after the brothers are dealt with john explains that he cannot afford to let dan sell the land and dan says i guess that we're enemies on monday again to which john asserts we are enemies right now uh casey rip and jimmy head out that night to deal with the meth heads they plan to blow the house up but jimmy goes in to retrieve his rodeo belt buckle and confronts his grandpa's killer and back on the ranch tate has gone to feed his horse but we learn that the boy has been kidnapped and case has Casey and the gang return from their nocturnal ranch work. That's episode nine, Grace. Episode 10, Sins of the Father. We open to a flashback of John and his father riding the ranch. His dad tells him not to let them take an inch and grows emotional, reflecting on the process of aging. We slide out of it only to find John with Rip. And John explains that his life has been a series of losing the things he loves most and states he isn't going to lose this one. Uh, Dan is waking up as assassins approach his house. He manages to kill two of them, but he's badly hurt in the effort and as he steps outside the home a third executes him as he lays on the floor dying he asserts he has every right to be here because this is America. John, meanwhile, gathers the kids to plan their response. He makes Beth leave, saying that someone needs to be left for Tate when all of this is done. Uh, Sheriff Donnie ends up going to Dan's and John forces his hand, saying that he needs to choose a side. Uh, Donnie ends up getting some info, giving all the info he can about the Beck brothers, and he helps to spook them so that they both will get together. That night, Casey goes to their house where he finds and kills one of the brothers, Teal, after getting information about where Tate is being kept. Uh, John and Thomas have a conversation, and Rainwater sends his number two man to help them and to show his commitment to their alliance. Um, John gives Beth an amendment to the trust, and she ends up reading it, learning that he left the old ranch house to Rip. She walks Rip out to it and reads the letter wherein John refers to Rip as one of his sons, and the man is deeply touched. Uh, shortly thereafter, Casey comes to him explaining they have to attack a fortified location and that he needs someone to ride point and draw fire, to which Rip agrees. The team heads out, heads out and John ends up shooting Malcolm and sitting with him as he explains this is his last opportunity to tell him where Tate is and get to a hospital or he can die alone in the field. Malcolm tells him 
where Kate is and asserts that he's not going to live long enough to get help and asks to die alone in the field anyway. And as the livestock agents storm the house, Casey finds a deeply traumatized Tate who they bring home. The app closes as Beth heads outside, relieved that Tate is okay, only to find Rip never far away. She ends up explaining that they're going to lose this ranch someday and she cannot wait. And as she heads back to the house, she sees her father, John Dutton, come outside and break down weeping as we cut to a wide sweeping shot of the ranch. That is the season finale of Yellowstone season two, Grace. Where do you want to start? We're all over the place on these two, I think. Yeah, but I think that the overarching theme is like Tate gets kidnapped. And yes, that sets that's a pretty big theme. <laughs> it yeah. sets everything in motion. Um, so the, the okay, the stuff I really like about it, I, yes. I there there's a fair bit. I like the showdown um with with the beck brothers i like when he when casey kills teal and he's like you thought i wouldn't come like i you know uh like you know and, and um the one piece that i struggle with that i hope we get more from season three is essentially this was like monica's like basically worst case scenario for worst casey scenario um yes. for for yeah. being in john dutton's like purview right being in his world and it's like the almost maybe an outcome that she never really thought she kind of thought like it's like dangerous for tate but not in like i don't think she would have ever thought he gets kidnapped. no no i'm with you i think it's important to identify that her concern for tate is about what type of man are these people going to teach my son to be right it's more about the outward violence and not this perception of ever really being threatened i think john postures so much there are people threatening us we have to stand up and fight for what we want and this is the first time that we're really seeing the duttons on the back foot right right and so what I really hope we get more of is is this idea that this is the worst thing that like could a- like actually happen to to Tate, and certainly he is extremely traumatized when he's when he's picked up by Casey and 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 gets driven home. Um, on the other hand, in episode nine, we get the scene where she is confronted at the um, at the jewelry shop, and I really don't know how I feel about this scene. Part of me does feel like in the way that, um, you know, earlier you, you made this the, a really good point at the end of season one where I was like, you know, when the the, the girl from the, the strip bar comes and works mm-hmm. at the ra- and uh, I can't remember what her name is. And you were I, I couldn't put Avery. my thumb. Yeah, I couldn't put my thumb. Away, I didn't like it. And you were like, oh, it's because like it's like seems like it's like uh, feminism written by men. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's such a good point. And I feel <laughs> like this scene here is like is racism written by uh like white people i think yeah and so i i i don't love the actual scene and how it plays and not because i don't think that this should happen i think that and i do think like there are elements of this that do happen to people it it goes to the most extreme version i i've i've ever really seen depicted uh in a show which which she's like forced to over the top and if that is how it happens like i didn't really like go and like start looking into this whether like this is a thing that's happened then you know retract my statement what i do like about it is when she calls beth and um the the way that beth is the person who comes and helps her there's even a moment when john comes to tell them that uh, Tate is has been rescued. That and they're uh, together Monica, on the couch. Monica's blankets. They've clearly spent that night bonding. Monica has her head on Beth's on her bet on Beth's lap, and so you can tell that they have bonded. And so I like that because what I do like about the tension there is as Beth is like at the end of the episode, like I can't wait for this place to be burned down. Like I can't wait for it to be gone out of our lives. Um, Monica must be feeling similarly, but also the way that she's like connected to the family and the and the way Beth had said like don't get mad at like the family that's like provide, you know, we're all providing for you. Right. Mm-hmm. So I like the tension that that builds and the way that Monica might continue to want to like separate herself from the Dutton Duttons, but also knows that like there is, it's not all bad to be part of the Dutton family. Like if your kid gets kidnapped, otherwise probably don't have the manpower to go and like get your kid back in the way that they do in this episode, you know? Yeah. It's a really, um, it's a really like hypocritical situation for her to be trapped in because there is so much to be gained from this. I mean, lest we forget her whole employment at the college, this is happening because of her connection to the Dutton family, right? Like this is not a job that Monica went and pursued. This is a job that they offered to her that they were 
were able to use their connections to bring to the table. I think the, so, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about the way that the show doesn't shy away from the plight of the, the indigenous people in the United States and the circumstantial, the circumstance of dealing with these, these tribal leaders and the landowners in Montana and the conflict that's like built into that. We've like, you know, articulated some of like the, like the sexist overtones that like exist in this very male dominated society. And I think this is attacking both of those head on in a really bold way that I appreciate. I'm glad that this storyline takes like such a central space because it dominates the episode. I mean, it like really runs like 20 something minutes of a 40 minute episode we spend in that boutique. Um, the way that it plays out. I mean, you know, when I like lambast the show for being a soap opera, I think like this episode nine is as soap opera as it gets grace of like, I'm having your baby, Jamie, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> into like true. this, Forgot into like this yep. scene of like the slightly, the racist shop owner is going to take like the slightly suspicious person and escalate it to the degrees that the police are like, all right, take your clothes off. They're just like all in on like the full tilt judgmental racism. It's so over the top. And then Beth's response is so like wild and vitriolic. You talked a little bit last week about this idea of like Beth behaving badly. And does she ever suffer consequences of those choices? Like this is really over the top. She's white knighting to a degree. I mean, she's really like righteously defending her sister-in-law who has been like, you know, um, like cast in this haze of prejudice and is, is totally being railroaded here. But it, it feels very like gratuitous and exploited also, Grace, of like, let's like get all these women's clothes off. And like, it's just so far. And we spend so much time there and like... I appreciate its inclusion. I do not think the execution works for me as well as they want it to, right? Like it gets me thinking about these ideas and these themes in a way that I appreciate, but it's just so kind of like ridiculous. And I, and it makes me like uncomfortable in not a good way where I'm like, God, they had to like oversee this. Like, I, I don't know, you know? I, I think for me, there's a moment, the show has said it itself, which is when the, the physiotherapist is like, you know, be careful, like don't, always show yes. the tragedy you need to yes. show the celebration we obviously get the like the the rap concert from from last week i think uh yeah and um i just maybe wish there was more like i think one of the things that's hard for me too and obviously there's like a lot to try and fit into this to this show but like there's a reason why monica like did live on the reservation and she's so connected to the reservation the reason why she's not going to take the professor job is because she won't be able to uh teach at the school and then she ultimately ends up like continuing to do that she decides like it's worth it to basically uh do both things and like stretch herself thin and so she has this connection to like her community and her people but then i feel like the way that the the show is depicting her almost all the time is through um, like her being a, a victim. And so I don't, again, that's like a real, like, you know, the, the way that she is subject to like prejudice and race, racism by like a shopkeeper, that is entirely a, a real story that yes. people encounter in, in, in our society every all day, the time, yeah. every day. Um, it's just like, yeah, the extent that it gets like pushed you to be an extreme for a television show is tough like i don't know what and again i i don't want to discredit like if that's a real experience that people have been been through no, or somebody brought that for that to be the moment in the in the show it's it's really awful i do hope that like more so i mean i guess that's what the show is that beth comes in and like rams up the shop instead of like uh you know them like settling you know with like, some sort of lawsuit or whatever but yeah No, that is what the show is. I do think it's uh, important that Beth and Monica connected. Like, I think there's a little bit of like, okay, we've done 18 episodes of the show. We have two really prominent female leads that basically have never spoken a line to each other, right? So this bonding feels good, and it does feel so out of nowhere, but the writing is strong there of like, I'm calling you because if I call Casey, he's going to kill somebody. You know what I mean? Like, And also, like, there's that element, like, with John saying to Beth early on, I need evil. Like, you know, Monica knows who she's calling 
when she calls Beth Dutton to be like, come deal with this. I need you to help. Right. And yeah. Beth is a real pit bull there. I think it's cool because look, Monica is a character that I think like does not have agency thus far. There's like very little agency. It's mostly her, her course is being dictated by the circumstances of the family of Casey, of her son, of all these events around her where Beth does have some agency. I think it has like seized it. And after watching her beaten within an inch of her life and being rescued by Rip in that way to see her then step in and like, you know, metaphorically rescue Monica ultimately without having to do physical violence. She does a, a commensurate amount of, of emotional violence in that shop. And it is for this really righteous reason. So it feels good, right? There's that element of like, we're, we're steeping in like the righteous rage grace of like, she's yeah. in the right. So we like seeing her be this horrible to another human being, but even Monica has to draw the line. And I appreciate that just felt a bit gratuitous. Like I didn't love how long we had to spend tripping everybody down was not my favorite. Yeah. Um, just to shift away from it before we get too far. Cause it's such a small beat. Jamie's going to be a dad, Grace. Uh, I got to like tag in yeah. on it because again, like the soap opera vibes felt like huge through episode nine. Um, how are you feeling about this? Of like Christina's whole reaction, this whole meeting, all of it, Jamie's story in general as it's closing out season two, because it's a little bit of like a dud of a firework. There's not a lot happening here. Yeah. I mean, it's fully a thing that you pull out. I mean, a baby is literally one of those things that like comedies often get like, a marriage, a baby, you know, pregnancy, something that like is a plot mechanic you can use to like make mm -hmm. some interest. Uh, you can like, you know, keep the energy going on your show. That's really what this feels like. I feel like they're totally lost with Jamie. My favorite Jamie moment, because I think it's like, it's brutal because the tough part is that I, I don't know how we're supposed to feel about Jamie. I feel like we, we are supposed to be sympathetic towards him, but I, I think just, so. Yeah. But I don't, I mean, he killed uh, a woman, uh, which is literally why he's being confronted. But there's this moment, which like not to say that people on the show can't have killed people. And then we are like sympathetic for them uh, to them, like John and Casey. Yeah, I'm super sympathetic towards Casey. He's killed a lot of people. But yeah. yeah yep. Yeah. But, it, you know, feel like his, you know, there were so many times where that was like really the only like like really awful killing is like Monica's brother-in-law. I feel like yeah. all the other ones are like, he puts a guy out of his misery because his meth lab blows up. He kills the, the kidnappers, right? <laughs> John, John giving the letter to Beth and being like, I need you to change the, 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 like my will, basically mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm, we're going to go get Tate. You stay here. Uh, and then the piece about rip getting the thing and J Jamie goes, what does it say? And she goes, none of your goddamn business. And she walks uh -huh. away. That's so harsh. John gives her the letter right in front of, right in front of him. And uh -huh. then, like it, it's a letter that basically says like I have enough sons and then he completely ignores Jamie as he walks uh -huh. out of the house. That is brutal and it's like the closest I ever get to being like, oh man, like yeah, that does really suck for Jamie. But then also like, yeah, I don't care really much. <laughs> <laughs> the Wes Bentley energy's got me too good. I really do like the guy, and so I have the sympathy for Jamie. I especially love this moment in time of Jamie of like, you know, Jamie's story crescendoed with the death of Saren. You, 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 this was like not what he wanted to do, but he yeah. was like driven to this point. He reacted really badly. I'm not absolving him of the choice, right? But his family has clearly traumatized this kid pretty bad. And I just love Wes Bentley and his cowboy gear, Grace, of like him hanging out in the flannels and his yeah, jeans and his baseball cap, like getting back down to earth, trying to square up. Were you surprised to see christina return like were you pretty sure this was a character that we were done uh, with or did you okay this? you know what's funny is because last week i think i said oh like sarah nagian and this is a woman he has a romantic interest with which is not true i lied she's she's in a relationship she's in another relationship and yes. it's just that she's like interviewed because i forgot that like he's actually in the relationship i knew he was in a relationship he has this like romantic because remember the scene about like him telling like why he's in power or not yeah yeah, I mean, yeah why he's pursuing politics yeah yeah i mean in, in, no i wasn't really expecting her to come back but i i do this is better than like you know ooh, random new recasting or like a yeah, like yeah, random yeah, yeah, woman yeah. from his past who's like actually like you know a year I've ago got your son, I was, Jamie yeah. Button. Yeah. yeah so so i think this is good and then the thing that i actually think is the most interesting about it obviously you can't really uh you play your hand here but i i what i think is interesting is like one of the it's casey is comp competent but casey also has a son who 
who John loves. And so yeah. the idea that Jamie could like actually earn back some love of it, not, not that I, you know, I, I think that like John was willing to like set Casey out, right? Like he was willing, but mm -hmm. he was always like lured back in. And this is the whole point why Tate gets kidnapped because it's the thing he loves the most in the world. So mm -hmm. the idea that like Jamie having a child, and this is, it's so, this is very sad in the way that like, I'm like, oh, it could actually help his relationship, which is like yep. the worst possible thing that you could do. Like, very this sad. is where like a, a, a couple are like, not well together and they're like maybe having a child will, will fix it it's like no no no, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> let's get a dog don't do yeah. it just break up it's just a it's a wide up. world out there don't don't get the dog it doesn't need to be subjected yeah. to that so i can't that's the only thing i'm interested in yep. the jamie in the jamie kid thing is like how it affects his relationship with with john I feel like he's just such a sad character. You know what I mean? He gets like, he's such a dick in the beginning and then he just gets ping ponged around so hard and really like the terrible stuff that he's done. Like he seems like um, the, the least okay with doing terrible stuff of a lot of this family where Casey just seems like, uh, like Inuai, like he, he's just so kind of like worn oh, I, down. And, I like, love jaded it. And cynical. When he's like, like, this is the thing I'm good at actually. Yeah. Father. It's like, yeah. Killing people. I'm gonna yeah. go kill a Beck brother and find my yeah. my son. Yeah. Yeah. It's really intense. Um, let's just circle back and talk about uh Beth and Rip for a minute before we get into the whole like extraction job of it all. So this Beth and Rip beat, right? Like Rip Rip saved her. We've gotten a little bit of the backstory of their relationship across season two, some clarity there, this connection. He like shows up and saves her in the eleventh hour. She's been like so angry that John has like, you know, stepped Rip down. And then this fraught relationship. I can't help it, Grace. There's just some scenes in Yellowstone that are so ridiculous i go back to them all the time and i just keep going back to the season one like rip rides up to casey in the middle of the field and they just punch they just cowboy up the yeah. cut you know and yeah. now like we're gonna come to the ultimate bro down where like neither of them could really say what they're feeling here like even casey like he's like this is a hard thing to ask you I basically need to ask you to run a suicide job i need a guy in an armored car except instead of an armored car we could give you a horse. <laughs> so the whole thing here, Grace, it's so over the top, but it gets to yeah. like some really satisfying stuff of John being like, today of all days that I have to ask you this to rip being like, it's the perfect day, sir. And then like Thomas's guy doing the, the like paint, the symbology on the horse, to, like protect oh, yeah. it, give it I all like the stuff. That. That's like my favorite probably moment of like this. But I love it so much, but it's a real relationship between these two guys. So what I really hope that comes from this is is that I hope that there's real tension from him being the one to being asked to this moment. I love that we get this idea that like John changes his will to be like, I have enough sons. And yet the person that they choose to go and be the person who I, I actually did think Rip was dying. Like I thought the moment was you like, thought this is it, right? I thought he was being basically told he was his son right before he gets asked to go and die. Yeah. Um, and so I'm really surprised actually that he doesn't, I, I do want the show to follow up with this. Cause I think this is like, this is, this is really interesting. Uh, this whole notion of John saying to Casey, I can't risk you, right. That the reality of like, he's making this big magnanimous overture. You're yeah. my son, Rip, but you're yeah. not really my son. Well, you're not really my son. Like, I'm willing to let you ride a horse. Yeah uh in and and to like see where the gunfire is and it's a very good chance that you'll die and he's very lucky that he doesn't die and this is the type of thing that i think for a very long time rip will say like of course i was gonna do like of course i would do it i would oh i will always say yes to you john dunn but and at the same time there has to be like oh, there's gonna be another moment where he's like you know it's it's the same thing it's the same pattern again like, not actually yeah. his son and he's like yeah look what i've done for you I think that's really fun. And, you know, there's um, uh, like, I'm a big pro wrestling fan. And, and for me, like, I think sometimes like, it's really fun to just like throw things into the mix. There was like a pay-per-view recently where I just thought like, Oh my God, there's so many things at play here that they're talking about. And they're not, they're not going to play off all of them all the time. Like uh, there's the two guys who, you know, whatever. Uh, and this is the same thing where I feel like this has set up such a like interesting dynamic moving forward that the same day that he gives him, that house i love best line of like yeah i can't account for taste but you know pretty nice gesture or whatever mm -hmm. um uh the same day he does that it's also the same day that they're like yeah you gotta you gotta write through. like why couldn't it be random i guess because that person wouldn't do it or would would back out or like wouldn't do it as effectively or whatever um 
I, I think, think it's really interesting. Yeah. It's one of these dynamics where, you know, sometimes you're in a position of leadership and you need somebody you fully trust and can absolutely rely on to like not balk, to do the job, to do it the way that you need it done to your expectations. Like you need somebody who's got the skills, right? And the reality is like, you know, who else are they going to ask? Like John's coming down to like, he needs a son. He needs somebody that's invested enough in this family that they're willing to put their life on the line to say, Tate, pre presumably, but it can't really be his only son, right? Because in his reality, like he really does only have one left. All the others keep quitting and dying on him. Grace, I so love that good, line. so good. There's a lot of really great lines. I think like Kevin Costner, we're hitting peak Kevin Costner as John Dutton as we come into episode ten. There's just yeah. like a couple of great. Well, I the the other I I love him sitting down with Malcolm and it's and what great, I what right? I really think is like the best example of the way in which this show delivers complexity in in terms of morally great characters is when he's shot Malcolm and he sits and he waits for him to die. Uh, he's waiting for him to die out so that essentially he will tell him where his son is. And he eventually says it and he goes, okay, like I'll get you a helicopter. He's like, the helicopter's not coming, man. But he's like, yeah, but I, I, I told you I would. Um, uh, and then offering him like, you want to, you want me here? Or you want me to, you want to die alone? And he's like, yeah, I want to die alone. So he leaves. Like, it's like, you know, a gentleman's agreement, but the gentleman is like, <laughs> A horrific human yeah. being, you know, so horrific gentleman, but yet he is being a gentleman. I, I, I love this. Is some of my favorites. I'm like, this is where, like, in Breaking Bad, like, Walt believes all the way along that he has this like moral code, right? That, like, yeah, reasons he's doing things are for for good, and you can't argue that, like, what John is trying to do is trying to get his grandson back, you know. Um, and and yet at the same time, like, he does decide to like, you know. It, call call a helicopter if Malcolm wants it, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I thought it was interesting. It's yeah. an excellent scene. I think it's such a great bookend, a, kind of like a parallel to the opening scene of him and his dad, right? Him and his dad just, like, sitting up at the mountain, looking at the world, talking, bonding, these vulnerable moments. It's so interesting because, like, that kind of led me to this question. I, I'll circle back to it, I guess. But then I think you get the other side of it at the end where John's just going to sit down in the grass, and it's so casual. Yeah. There's such a vibe to it, just the way that he's sitting, he's leaning back, he's so kind of casual with his shotgun to the side and he's talking he's looking up at the stars the grass is blowing and even all the livestock guys are like what the hell is he doing like what is he doing here you know it's a really powerful scene between these two guys and neil mcdonald like just like not telling him not telling him and then finally giving him what he wants and be like just leave me alone dude like i'm dead you know i'm dead i wish i just never would have met you yeah. Oh, I love. He's like, yeah. I bet you wish you didn't. Yeah. It's yep. So good. The only thing I really dislike from this moment is the way that Casey is just sort of like sitting and watching. And yes. I know there's like not much you can do, but this is a man whose son has been kidnapped. Yeah. So the idea that should be like and, apoplectic. Yeah. And and even something if there's some acknowledgement that like Casey wants to do something, but he knows like John will not let him like it like john is the ringleader here like john knows what to do this is the move um but i just casey like sort of like hanging with the guys being like ah yeah classic dad you know and i'm like your son is like kidnapped like your son is like is, is not I'm here. with you it's the only yeah. piece i feel like I, I don't know it just like rubbed me the wrong way because also like that's not the Casey we've seen. Like everything yeah. we've seen characterizing Casey is that the guy's a little bit of a hothead. Like he especially for his family, things. he yeah. reacts and it, and like you know even just the way he yells at John when they come back to the ranch and he's like, "You let him go alone to yeah. feed the horse," and he's like, "We're never alone here." And I get that element of like living in that kind of environment. You feel like you're never alone. You feel impervious. You feel invulnerable. You're really not. You know, it's like um, a when I used to run summer camp, like we would do all these like trainings. Cause like if a camper goes missing but and almost all the time, like it just like, it, it almost is wild when a kid actually like does go missing. And almost any time we did it, it's just like, they were just in the bathroom. And they didn't tell anyone they were yep. going like, like yep. honestly is it. Uh, but it's like, yeah, surprising that like, yeah. Because, and cause this was just like people everywhere. And yet you can kind of like, yeah, go well, there's such danger in that right when you yeah. look at like metropolitan life like the anonymity of a crowd and like the right. way that nobody can respond it's a really kind of terrifying feature of the human existence but i really was struck by a lot of the john dutton stuff i thought it's so great i love the flashback with this dad in the beginning because you get this small oh, yeah. vulnerable moment and the dad starts crying and john's like it's just the whiskey don't worry about it and these guys are such 
uh, caricatures, Grace. They're they're the Marlboro Man, right? They're like this hard, steely, gruff exterior, full tilt cowboys. The dad, the old man, is like ninety years old. He's from another age, right? This is a man that was like born in the last century, presumably, and he's like totally coming apart and and like so upset that he's even coming apart. And John's like, "Oh, it's okay. It's just the whiskey." And it just struck me in terms of um, like who we really are. These notions of our identity. Is John Dutton is a man that like he just loves his family. He loves his dad, right? He's trying to be a good son. He's trying to be a good dad, and that makes him a ruthless, dangerous murderer, right? Uh, like he's willing to do these terrible things. These guys go through the world, and they're so like the steely, gruff exterior. But the truth is, like they have these small moments of like I'm gonna miss you, like you're gonna die, and I'm gonna miss you, dad. And it's the kind of shit that like you know that is not like. There's such masculinity and so many like masculine tropes that we're kind of exploring in Yellowstone that I really appreciated this scene and this notion of like, who are we really? Like, is this the real John Dutton? The emotional, sensitive, I'm going to miss my father. I just want to be a good son to my dad who like had all these expectations for me. But, but like when that is the like 2% of your life that you get to show when so much of your life is dominated by this man mask that you have to wear even if that's not the real you like how long do you live in that space until that is the real you right is it what we feel or is it what we do like how are we defined there's just a level of like uh, i don't know philosophical depth that i got into grace of like interrogating the motivations of this man john dutton who's a pretty ruthless nefarious character that we get to by the end of it that's gonna tell dan jenkins no dude you can't sell you I'm sorry. Don't make us go hang you again. You know, who's going to go like murder these people who's willing to do such like kind of brutal things. Right. Who's going to like take a guy like Walker to the train station. Right. How many yeah. times has that happened on the Yellowstone? Like there's all these little beats, but at the end of the day, he's just like a boy trying to fulfill his father's expectations. And it's so fascinating to me to like explore the depth of that. I'm really fixating on a small moment. No, no. It, it left I mean, me with a lot of thoughts, you know, it, it opens the season finale, right? Like that's yeah. the yep. first scene of that moment. And so I do feel or of that, of that episode. So I feel like it is an important moment to, to sit and, and think about, like why why do they put it in the show why does taylor sheridan uh he writes this episode with eric beck like why do they put it in which is yeah this like the the you know so much of this show uh, a lot of the show is about john's kids and john's yep. kids and and what he is trying to figure out you know who can maintain you know that the loss of of their ranch is like the worst thing imaginable to him well well you can kind of see why his father's like don't lose an inch of this land. Right. Um, and also that I think that probably John's fought. Right. So there's this line where he says, uh, uh, what does he say? So it's John senior says he misses John's mother and his brother. And he loves, he says he loves his son. And John says it only took 90 years. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. and yep. so I do, I feel like John must internalize that of like, even if your father, like, he must love his kids. I think he loves all of his kids, including Jamie, who he's like pretty awesome. Agreed. Yeah. But he loves them all. But this is kind of the thing is like your father doesn't need to tell you he loves you to to say to show that he loves you. Uh right. And and almost to to potentially what he presumes is his father's success is the idea that actually having been told he he loved him might have actually made him like a worse rancher or a worse, you know, he wouldn't have been as good as he was. And it's not until the end of his life that he, his father's life that he, he finally says like, I love you. And so I think John takes that and internalizes it. And it's why he's like so harsh on his children and, and, and the fact that they need to be trained to basically be able to do what he was able to do after his own father died. Yeah, I think that you're spot on. We go back to last episode of Casey talking to Jamie and Jamie like, do you forgive me? Casey's like, you're my brother, man. And yeah. he's like, yeah, but you're not answering. And he's like, yeah, I did. Like, yeah, I did. This idea, and I think it translates so well that um, you don't have to say the thing, right? That like, there is this belief. It's back to like John's whole thing that like, I just want to make sure that there's seats at the table for everybody who wants to come sit down, right? That's love. Uh, it's almost grace. It's almost as though all the best cowboys have daddy issues. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it is, it is like in terms of, we talked a lot about that. The show is not 
right wing in the way people think it's 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 right wing like propaganda or whatever it's really not i really don't think it is after having watched two series of this show no it's definitely not i mean like look it's speaking to rural life and i think it's got like a real like a uh, devoted fan base in the parts of the world that are associated with that so it's easy to disconnect but yes well i the thing is i i do think like not saying I love you all the time for me is like a very like th there is this way in which like you know the ranchers the cowboys there it does have this old school mentality and I yeah. actually think at times like the show is actually trying to critique that right that it like, is that John somehow managed to like get through even though his father basically never told him he loved him um uh and yet that is not working clearly it's not working for jamie it doesn't really work for casey uh uh it's not really working for beth either and so <laughs> um could say yeah yeah right the only person and, and even in the way he's to, and and this is so relatable to me as someone who comes from like rural ontario a uh, very conservative family it it did take a long time for my family it basically took like a kind of a family altering incident for us to finally like say we love each other not that we didn't but it's like it's very actively like at the end of each call now it's like no okay, i get I, it i love you and it was not a thing that we i feel like we had in our life a, a, a lot but it's not that we didn't know we loved each each other um we just ex we would express it through different ways and that's where like rich you will understand this that uh, one of the ways in which i often yes. am able to to say i love somebody is through gifts so my brother and i will often like you know pick up the bill at dinner or like you know whatever it is my, when i come home my the house is stocked with these things that whether or not it's true or not my mom thinks i love them so there yes. are there are croissants yes. there's like the yogurt that i might have like been eating at the time like i was like oh i really like this yogurt that every time i come home like that yeah it's there it is my mom will say she loves me like i'm not trying to imply that she doesn't but my we also there's these other ways that i think are like ingrained in our family of like that's actually the way that you like show your love um which i feel like is really resonant in the show i think the table it's example 100%. is like the best example of that um and how sometimes like i i'm so glad that my family has got to a point where like we're more likely to say we love each other because like i think sometimes it can it, it, it needs to actually be said like it does it, as much as like there are these things that i know are ways in which like my brother my mom my dad we show each other we love each other sometimes you actually just have to say like yeah i love you you know so yep. Yeah. No, I totally feel you. My parents were real hippies. And so there was a lot of like vocalization or they came out of that time. At least uh, one of the two of them was certainly happy, but also, you know, their parents were that greatest generation bootstraps folks. And I came up in a single parent household and a lot of time being raised by the grandparents and the extended family. There was a lot of this mentality, this like gruff, steely, like it's what you do. It's not what you say. It's about how you act. Like in the 11th hour, when push comes to shove, I'll, always be there for you but i'm also still gonna yell at you and call you a stupid idiot all the time you know a lot of that um i find it really poignant and i do think that there's a real meaningful critique where it's not like an indictment of this 1950s classic america like tough steely men and like women take care of the family mentality um it's it's not like necessarily an indictment of that but it's certainly a critique and i think that it is looking at these ideas of like is this really working though like yeah. has this really yeah. working for us here you know i just tried to go through them all and i'm like nope not working for him not working for him not yeah, working for her it's definitely not and he, it's even working really for rip but he never said he loved him he just like says like now i have a son doesn't even really say it's rip like he just like applies it right so and it breaks yeah. him down it's really yeah. wonderful i thought it's yeah. really poignant uh we didn't talk about it much but the jimmy herdstrom we're gonna go kill the meth dealer jimmy got his belt buckle back how you feeling about jimmy's uh situation here grace okay good for jimmy boy they go dark and the, his his grandfather dies from a heart attack <laughs> from being beat up like we don't even see it on screen like my god we went we went real in on the jimmy tragedy here in this episode i mean i don't i don't hate it but i'm like boy that's, a, that's and it, you know what it off, does offset a little bit that i thought like we do obviously lose uh dan allegedly allegedly um, if a body bag is any <laughs> i guess uh that i thought maybe like i really did think rip might go and so i i don't again i don't really know this is the second season of a show obviously the season premiere ends in like a bit we're like two two people who you thought like could have been in the show are dead in terms of Lee and then uh, Monica's brother-in-law, but the show has not really played in that. And in fact, the Dan Jenkins like fake out is like the exact, like 
opposite of, of like, we'll pretend that people's lives are at stake, but they're not actually at stake. Um, so not that I wanted somebody else off the board, but I wondered if that's the type of show that it would be because I thought that the, the, the premiere of the show goes so hard in that, but I think it's yeah, very different body count. Yeah. I feel like it's different to be in the first episode. Like, you know, it's like, Hey, you're going to be in the show for one episode versus like, you are going to be in like one of the most successful shows the last five years, you know, and we're going to write you off after the end of season two. Like that does suck. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to, to lose anybody here. Um, but they make up for it. Cause they kill off Jimmy's granddad. <laughs> <laughs> pretty dark i just love jimmy having his moment and go back in for the belt buckle yeah you, it's good. You man up jimmy you earned yeah. that black hat buddy uh the brand coming through i don't know if there's anything else that we didn't stop in on that you want to circle back to you but i do think it's a really electric ending like i joke but you know taylor sheridan can be a really strong writer sicario is a hell of a movie you know and i feel like this last hour is really tense it's shot pretty well it's maybe a little bit dark but there's just so much kind of momentum and energy and there's really subtle great writing i love the bit of like the horace thomas like doubling down the whole episode title like oh yeah it's always the innocents that suffer for the things that we men do this notion of like the sins of the father tying back to dutton senior and john's father like that's just so much weight there that's Thomas calling uh, John, which I liked a lot. I yeah, yeah, that's Thomas what I meant call. if I misspoke. But that's no, what no, I'm saying. You, the Thomas no, no. John call is excellent. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. And I do think, like, I wish it was kind of implied, but the fact that, like, Tate is from his, like, it, you know, is is indigenous, like, he's a native. Uh, oh, yeah. Part native. I, I wish there was, like, a, maybe a little bit of, like, a note to that of, like, this is actually a chat that, like, you know, is, is, like not that he's like he wouldn't say like it's my grandson but like i have a connection to him too you know like i thought could have been an interesting way but i do like the way that like he's like i i will support you in this one like this is a line too far for the beck brothers it's a clever move you know the whole like uh monica uh casey tate dynamic it like frames up thomas and john in a really fascinating way because there is this overlap and this connection through um their grandson through like their literal family ties and that way that's kind of fascinating um yeah i i wouldn't be a yellowstone podcast if i don't talk a little bit of smack about tate but like this poor kid has been through an absolute rigor he is captured by white supremacists that like oh my yeah, god that's the other piece that i was like yeah it's a little no. much there's like some of the like the set dressing in that space i felt very uncomfortable about there, and they shaved a, his a... head yeah they gave him a full skinhead look but i gotta like throw a little shade of like breck and merrill like th- this kid has become a better actor over yeah. five seasons of Yellowstone. Yeah. but his like uh meltdown like screaming i'm like oh, okay wow. <laughs> there's a there's okay. a television in the like in one of the in the room when they're like oh yeah i saw it that just says white pride just says that's just what it says on the te- and it looks like it's almost like a powerpoint or like a i think it's a music image. video i think oh. they're listening to a oh. white pride. Music uh, um, there's like rock music playing you know i'm like what is even going on man yeah i yeah i didn't i didn't love uh i didn't love that but you know what you know you got to kill some people and maybe you feel way better about killing them than anybody else yeah very yeah. fair that's season two of yellowstone grace we have talked through 19 episodes oh, can yeah. i just say the the teal killing is very good it's very good oh, casey yeah. coming in shooting him in the gut being like i have lots of places to shoot like he's like please just don't let me die in the toilet he's like nah my wife said i gotta kill you i'm gonna kill you the, the the like back and forth between he and john right like john shoots up his guy and sits down and is like gonna do good murderer and casey's doing bad murderer right <laughs> like i can make this really brutal for you buddy yeah. um john going with like the psychological manipulation casey overtly physical right yeah uh, yeah yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're again, going to like be at the whim here of like trying to see if CBS does it. I gotta say, I'm intrigued to watch more. Uh, I'm, I was trying to pace out. Uh, I don't know if folks have, uh, can provide me on DD. You might be able to rich. Like if I like dive into the, the prequels, am I like at risk of spoiling anything from the main show? No, uh, no. From, yeah. So that might be an Avenue I take where like I can, uh, quench my thirst for, season uh, more yellowstone to like be unspoiled on the pod uh by diving into uh to the prequels but i might just end up watching yellowstone so maybe by the time we come back i i am in more of the zeitgeist of, of Yellowstone than I have been previously. So we yeah. keep talking about uh you keep talking about how Lloyd is the Sam Elliott standard in Yellowstone. 1883 
they got the original flavor. Grace, I know. I know. they got not, they got Sam Elliott original, and he's so Elliott. effing good. Yeah, uh, eighteen eighty three, yeah. like Banks, right? You got yeah. like the the big country guy whose name I'm not forgetting. How am I forgetting his name right now? He's like fantastic. He and his wife Faith Hill, Tim McGraw, right? It's Tim, Tim McGraw. McGraw and Faith Hill. They're really good. Uh, eighteen eighty three, I think Banks. Nineteen twenty three, it's not bad. I do think that I decidedly like it maybe more than Yellowstone. I'm always a sucker for a period piece. It really hangs on like the, it does some crazy stuff. We're in like Africa. We're dealing with like some ghost in the jungle adjacent hmm. real like Legends of the Fall vibes for nineteen twenty three. So I would recommend both. I think you can watch both without being spoiled. I think it'll give you a little context like the idea of that ranch that that John gives to Rip. This was the first ranch house, right? Before right. they got mega 21st century wealthy and could build the, the McMansion, right? right. Um, so you touch on some cool stuff and I don't think it blows up anything that you don't want to know, but yeah. 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 Nonetheless, we will be back when we come back. Uh, postshowrecaps.com slash Yellowstone is the RSS feed. Go subscribe to it right now. So whenever Grace and I return to the airwaves talking Yellowstone, they will be directly downloaded into your podcast player of choice. Uh, until then, Grace, what do you got going on? Where can people find you? I'm talking about Fargo. I'm talking about The Crown, The Curse, uh, talking movies with Ariel. Uh, this past week, we talked about both The Holdovers as well as Napoleon. And then we're going to be talking about mm -hmm. uh, the Beyonce movie, which I think is actually a five-star classic. And, wow. Uh, I know. It was so good. I was so entranced by that movie. I'm very excited. I believe Matt Scott is going to be joining us for that. Mm -hmm. Jess and I have been doing full spoiler recaps this past week. We did Colin from Accounts. It's an Australian show that is going is on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, uh, the network which you can find uh, the streaming service where you can find Yellowstone. So check that out. It's a, an eight episode, like 20 minute comedy. Uh, it's very funny. Um, and so we talked about that with Sarah Carity. And so that should come out uh, by the time you're listening to this or about a day later. Um, and I'm on social media at high from grace. What about you, Rich? Very, very cool. I'm at DM Philly in all the places, Twitch, YouTube, over on Twitter, even on Blue Sky. You can find me in the Post Show Recaps Patreon Discord, patreon.com slash Recaps, $10 a month. You could jump in and hit both of us up about Yellowstone or play D&D or jump in the brand deal. We got a lot of stuff going on there. I am talking about Beacon 23 every week with the great Corey B. This show is awesome, Grace. It's really good. It's on MGM+. Yeah. Plus. I think you could get access to it through Amazon in, in at least uh, the U.S., as it were. Uh, Lena Headey back on TV. It's been really fun. A really like underrated gem closing out the end of 2023 for me. I'm loving it. Um, that's pretty much it. I'm keeping busy out there. So go follow me in the places. You'll hear what I'm doing. Can I say, if you listen to any shows that Rich or I covered and you think that they are the, maybe the best shows of the year, you should vote. Postrecaps.com slash survey 2023. As we're in the midst of our year in review podcast series, we'll be counting down. Uh, we'll have different episodes on, on different shows that we covered uh, or bundles of shows today i did a pod that should come out later this week about the murder mystery in tv 2023 yep. um so check that out and then make sure you vote uh is there'll be a countdown show of the top 10 shows of 2023. well i am excited i'm going to be talking about the fantasy shows of the year 2023 with my great compatriot uh the podcaster taylor Baum, my girl and uh i should say grace but i'm worried about this top 10 list because you know mayfair witches is going to run away <laughs> with that thing we're going to be yeah. talking about the best show of 2023 Mayfair witches. That's right. Uh, keep an ear out for that. Thank you very much for joining us. We hope that you guys are all doing well out there. We will be back someday, but it is not this day. Bye.